Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Morrissey. Just another quick reminder about Digiday Plus. This is our membership program that you all should join. This will give you unlimited access to all Digiday content, but there is more. There are other perks, such as access to exclusive research that we do with our research panels, invites to member events, and much more. To find out more about Digiday Plus, visit digiday.com slash subscribe. Then use intro that's I-N-T-R-O at checkout for a special introductory offer of just $49 for three months of Digiday Plus. That is a 70% savings. It's worth it. Trust me. Use intro at checkout and get the discount. This week, I had a bit of a different discussion. I spoke with Poppy McDonald, the former COO of Politico, who a year ago left the publisher for a new type of publishing position. Managing director of USA Facts, a nonprofit organization set up by former Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer to bring data to the forefront of government and in turn to our democracy. Poppy and I discuss whether data can truly be nonpartisan at a time when the most basic facts are in dispute, how USA Facts targets both citizens and government officials, and whether politicians really want to agree on a common set of facts in the first place. Hope you enjoy it. Poppy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me back. So yes, you were here before, but in a different role because you were at Politico then. Uh, you were the president, COO of Politico, and then you left about a year ago to go to USA Facts. I did. For I those who don't move. know, for those who don't know, what is USA Facts? USA Facts is bringing government data to people in an accessible way, and we hope they will use that data to inform the decisions they make. So whether they're a voter or a member of Congress trying to decide, is our country headed in the right or wrong direction? We think that should probably start with the facts and not start with partisan rhetoric. And so we're bringing government facts to the people. Okay. Steve Ballmer started this? He did. He is our founder. Okay. Nonprofit? Nonprofit, nonpartisan. It's funded by Steve, and he wants to just, his only intention is to give it as a gift back to the public. A gift back to the public. Um, what attracted you to go this route versus, you know, another publishing job or just, you know, continuing to build Politico? Well, when I heard about the opportunity, and I think in the environment that we're in right now, right, where it is fake news and partisanship and uh, a tough environment for media right now, I think both mm -hmm. in terms of the revenue side and how do we support journalism, but also um, how do we break through uh, in a time, especially in, in Washington, of, of fake news, I got this call from a headhunter who said, uh, would you ever consider an opportunity in Seattle? And I thought, I'm from Oregon, back to the Pacific Northwest. That okay. sounds pretty fantastic. But I hadn't been able to find an opportunity in the Northwest that would make me feel like I was having the kind of impact I had been able to have in media. And then I heard that Steve Ballmer had started this organization, and I was familiar with it, but about how do we bring facts back into the discussion, and how do we make government data accessible to to lawmakers and to citizens in the same way that when he ran Microsoft, he had access to data and he mm -hmm. leveraged that data to inform decision making. And it sounded like a, a mission that I could definitely get behind and one that I could see being very helpful for media uh, and for government leaders and 
uh, regular citizen, so contributing back and having a positive impact. So I was really excited about the opportunity. Did you have any skepticism just having been in Washington for a while? Um, you know, you hear a lot of like CEO types who are like, the government needs to be run like uh, a company. And, you know, um, now we have um, kind of a businessman, but he was really a, a brand executive. Um, but in, in the White House, those things never really, you know, there, there's a big difference between running a government and, and running a company, even if the company is the size of Microsoft. Absolutely agree. And I think what gave me less pause and great enthusiasm was just hearing from Steve about what is your real intention? Like, why are you really doing this? And he's like, honestly, I just want people to have access to the mm -hmm. data. And his history was leaving Microsoft and he has a philanthropic initiative through the Bomber Group where he's trying to lift children out of poverty. Kids born into poverty have a very limited chance of being able to get out of that bottom 20%. And so he was looking at what are the gaps in government spending? I I don't want to spend more or do more initiatives where government is already successful. Um, and in trying to find that data months and months later with uh, finance people from Microsoft and policy folks and data experts trying to gather just information about how does government mm -hmm. spend money um, how? What are the outcomes? Um, where is where are we making progress? Uh, he said, "Gosh, it was this hard for me to get access to that information. I can't imagine how government leaders, or let alone regular people, can get mm -hmm. access to decide are we moving in a good direction." So there's two sides to it, right? Mm -hmm. And this is nonpartisan, okay? Which is we'll get to because that's really difficult these days. Mm -hmm. um, but there's two sides to this. One is is lawmakers, right? To allow lawmakers and those in government to make better decisions, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but then there's regular citizens, those of us who are citizens, yes. like um, for us to be, I don't know, more active in in democracy. Um, but you saw in business. Here's my here's my skeptical <laughs> thing. Um, a lot of times people use um, data not to make decisions, but to defend decisions. They arrive at the decision beforehand and then they look at the data that supports that decision. And then it goes into the PowerPoint slide. You, you surely have come across this. Absolutely. I mean, people are going to use data to back up their opinion or to make their argument or their case. That's not what USA Facts is doing. At the end of the day, we're just providing the data. Now, could it be that Rachel Maddow and Rush Limbaugh use the exact same data to make sure. a very different case about what that well, what the right solution is? Well, look what's happening at the border. Um, you know, I think there's the, the, the data shows that, like, the number of I guess detentions are down, and then um, one side says, "Well, this shows that getting tough is the right policy," and then the other side says, "Well, it's hot, and people tend not to historically. If you look at the data across uh, the border, when it's hot, it would be better when it's cooler, I mm -hmm. guess." Um, and it, it, the the volleyball game just goes on and on, and and they're using the same data. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so we have data, right, that shows border apprehensions are down significantly. So in 1980, they were at 759,000. And today, they're at about 404,000, right? So you could use that data to say, one person being apprehended at the border yeah. um, is or too many, more, right? Or like, we need more people capturing the people. Or... Right. I mean, so you can argue anything you want. But I think 
our premise is that it should start with agreement on the facts and that if both sides can use the same set of facts, and I think that would be helpful to media, right, where you hear people say, if I turn on Fox or I turn on MSNBC, I'm hearing completely different stories and I can't make sense of what's going on. What if they turn those on and heard the same set of facts, but then heard different solutions to those problems. I think it would create a lot less confusion, a lot more trust Mm -hmm. in media and in public officials. So do you think that can help move things back to, I always think of like, you know, kind of like a football game, like politics used to mostly be between the 240 yard lines. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this analogy (laughs) will, will, will work, but it used to be between the 240 yard lines and certain, you know, there'd be a certain group of people who thought, you know, the government should have more involvement in the, the economy or society. And you have certain group of people who think it should be less, but they sort of you end up between the 40s. Um, these days, it's it's like all in opposite red zones, if you will. <laughs> I guess it's a red and a blue zone. Um, and I, I wonder whether or not, you know, one of the missions is to is to bring things back to operating between the 40s and, and whether if, if you can't agree on an underlying set of, of facts based on data, um, then you're just, I mean, like everyone's just shouting past each other. Exactly. If you can't start with agreement on the facts and then have a conversation about how do we want to move these numbers? What's the outcome we want to drive toward? Can we agree that this is the outcome mm-hmm. we want? Um, and then we can disagree about how best to get there, right? Is the outcome we want that no illegal immigrants are crossing the border? And then how do you think we best do that? And how do I think we best do that? And then let's watch the number to see if we get to that outcome. I mean, that's what's mm-hmm. typically happening in a business. Um, and I think just government being able to start there would be really helpful. Right. Um, I was in a... But businesses have like CEOs who like, you know, they ultimately, you know, make the final call. And I think as our CEO president is is finding out now, uh, the government is a little bit more complicated. Um, yes. And that and that's, that's by design. That's a feature, not a bug. Um, because there's a lot of different constituencies in a, in a gigantic, diverse country like ours. That is very true, right? So there's not one dictator who gets to make all the decisions, not the CEOs and businesses or dictators. But um, there are, I think this can be a good foundation for uh, starting just a facts-based discussion. And I experienced that Mm -hmm. yesterday. We were on Capitol Hill and we were in a room of 14 senators uh, and it was a bipartisan group of senators hosted by Senator Schumer and Senator Romney. And we just were walking them through the facts and you started seeing some discussion about, huh, if this is the case, if people aren't actually living longer but we're spending 221% more on health care, we want to drive people having a better quality of life. How do we do that? What is something we can do as senators? And there was a really positive discussion happening. And I think that is not the narrative you hear in the media or what you see on television when you no. hear uh, kind of partisan backbiting. And uh, it was, you know, gave me hope. Okay. So there's hope. Yes. There's hope. <laughs> um, so explain what USA Facts is doing. Because, I mean, you're, you're, you're collecting a lot of data because, I mean, look, the government collects a lot of data uh, already. Um, it has a census, which we will address okay. because even that becomes controversial. It has uh, the the Congressional Budget Office. It has many different um, organizations that are dedicated to collecting data about our country, about its population, um, about its government. Um, and they're supposed to be nonpartisan most of these. Right. 
Absolutely. Uh, um, so where is the data coming from that USA Facts um, is, I guess, I mean, you're, you're basically a layer on top of data that's already being collected, right? We are. So we are going to about 70 federal agencies and 121 government data sources and bringing it all together uh, in to just show US people, government sources just US government sources so no like UN data or nope we're just focused on the United States right now and that there are 90,000 government entities in the United States so just to get the data from those 90,000 gives us a lot of running room we're at the highest level right now we're looking at how does the federal state and local government collect revenues and what are those revenues how do they spend and and what are the outcomes that it's driving for our country? Um, obviously, people beyond government have an impact on those outcomes. What we just want to see are Americans' lives getting better or worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll let people make that decision. But looking at things like graduation rates in schools or kids in eighth grade who are proficient in math and reading. So we're, sh- we're collecting that data together. We Our next step now is to add the state and local data. But as I'd mentioned, we've got 90,000 more governments to go to. Okay. And so it's a big initiative. um, And Mm -hmm. the data is hard to gather, right? In some cases, we've had uh, a local state government say, bring your, it is technically public, but sometimes it's on PDFs. um, And so we're having to scrape data off a piece of paper. You guys visualize the data in in user-friendly ways. Yes. Which the government does not. I mean, anyone who's dealt with government data, it's like a, it's a mess. It's a user-friendly ways and also just common sense ways, right? So if you were trying to figure out what is the government doing to help kids in poverty, well, you'd have to go to the Department of Agriculture budget, which is where food stamps sit. You'd have to go to the Department of Education budget, right? You'd have to go and look for Mm -hmm. to get Head Start funding. So you're going to different agencies' budgets, which aren't really organized by trying to solve a problem. They're organized by budgets of individual mm-hmm. entities. So we're but are you to- just are you just gathering the data and then visualizing the data or are you making calls? Because I mean this is where like, you know, you can get conflicting data on the same um the same topic. And um, you know, you, you might need to normalize that data. Like are you like how do you make sure that you're not going to be accused by one side or the other of manipulating the data? Um, even if it's just being done you know, in a in a statistical way. Well, so we report government data and we link back to the original source from the government, right? And so if people uh, want to know, well, why did you choose that particular number? I mean, in some cases, we are having to make a call. There are strangely like two different numbers reported for amount of uh, veterans in the United States. And Don't we just have to make a call of like, which one this do like we use? like the e-marketer of government. <laughs> right. Um, And there are good reasons why there's like a different count. But um, yes, so sometimes we do have to make a call, but we're always linking back to the source. And if uh, so people know that, you know, it's not like we just uh, magically like let's amalgamate the numbers and come up with our own count. Um, So it's definitely different than a source of truth. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. What if you could reach the right professionals the right way? Imagine the best place for marketers, a place where you stand out, a place that has exactly the people you're looking for, and even better, they're looking for you. That would be a place like LinkedIn. LinkedIn ads can help drive the results marketers like you care about the most, whether that's building your brand, all the way to converting revenue and driving growth. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash digiday, that is LinkedIn.com 
dot com slash digiday for your free $100 ad credit. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the episode. Um, but you, you guys, you're publishing basically an annual report, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and also like a version of like a 10K. Yeah. Like this. So we're, the SEC requires corporations to do an accounting, right, where they publicly report. These are the numbers and they're factual and they make the CEO and CFO sign and attest to those, yeah. right, so that investors in those companies know like an accurate and truthful, hopefully, accounting of what's happening in that We're running business. a loss again and, this quarter. <laughs> and so for the government, right, why aren't they also reporting to citizens who are investors as taxpayers in their country? Mm-hmm. Um, here's how we're doing as a government. Here are the revenues we're collecting. Here's what we're spending it on. And uh, here are our risks. Here's our corporate structure, right, our government structure. Um, so we are producing that 10K, mm-hmm. uh, an annual report on government, and then on our site real time, publishing new data as it comes in from the government. So I think the cliche when it comes to data is like garbage in, garbage out. Um how concerned are you about the partisan manipulation of data? I mean, we saw this in the census uh, fight. Everything becomes a fight these days. Um, and so I know in previous interviews, Steve Ballmer has said more data is better data. You just want more data and then it'll end up being better. Um, in this situation, you could say that by adding a, a question on the census about citizenship, that gives you more data. So that's got to be better. On the other hand, you could say by adding a question to the census, you're going to get less data because there are going to, there's going to be a group of people who uh, make a very realistic decision not to participate in the census because of that question. Totally fair. And I think where we came out on the census is we're an official partner of the census. We want everyone to get counted. Um, And we're pro people getting counted, right? We think that's having good data, which would mean counting every person accurately who lives in the United States and where they live and how they live is an important part of having good, accurate data. Um, Now, we stayed out of the discussion, and obviously that was decided by the Supreme Court about like what questions should be asked. Um, Mostly when it comes to advocacy, the only thing we're advocating for is uh, accurate, uh, real-time reporting of data and agreement on what is the data we're going to collect as a government so Mm -hmm. there can be some standardization. Because you can imagine as we're trying to go out to 90,000 governments, having no, you know, expectation in terms of what they collect, when they report it, how often they report it, makes our job really hard. Yeah. Uh, and so that's really our only advocacy agenda. Right. You've been around a politics a lot. So, I mean, how realistic is it that politicians are not going to try to manipulate the data? Because the data is, I mean, it, it really does impact so much when it comes to the representation and therefore the um, how we appropriate power in this country. I mean, we can, we've seen this obviously with gerrymandering and um, with how you divide up congressional districts and who gets, you know, just the fact of, of how many people live somewhere makes a big difference. That's why this is a big fight, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's about power ultimately in Washington. Um, so I, I'm sure when you go to senators, you know, they're like, wow, these, these, this data looks great and we can agree. But like, ultimately, it's about like fights for power. And how realistic is it that politicians will not just see manipulating the data as the surest way to shoring up power? Well, I think where we see the 
bias coming into the data is when people are doing predictions or forecasts or analysis, right? Our analysis, you know, when you see somebody extrapolating, yes. And so um, we have been clear that we won't use uh, any basically any projections or uh, any future forecasting data, even if it comes from a government source, so even like a CBO estimate or something, right? And I think those could be manipulated to try to further a a partisan agenda. So we're staying out of that business. The only thing we do use is life expectancy. Um, And Steve is even uncomfortable with that, right? Um, Because it's estimating how long someone's going to live. He really prefers what is the actual age at which people die. So we show them both together. But beyond that, no forecasts. And it's just here is the data as it stands. Mm -hmm. How do you judge how successful USA Facts is? So I think there's one part, which is how many people are we reaching with government data? How many unique people are coming and uh, looking at government data? How many people are subscribing to our newsletter? How many people follow us on Twitter or on Facebook? Yes, they um, like publishing metrics. Yeah. I mean, our goal is really to grow our audience. But then there's definitely a second piece of that, which I would say are also publishing metric- metrics, which is how are people engaging with that content, right? What are the page views, time spent on site? And then are they actually doing anything with our content? Yeah. Um, so we hope to see people sharing our data, uh, citing our data if they're you know in the media or as a politician. And so we do want something more to be done than just we grew a big audience who happened to hit our site briefly. We want to make sure that people are leveraging that data to inform democracy. So I, I'm sure Steve Ballmer is is very results oriented. Um, and so a lot of these are sort of leading indicators, but like ultimately the goal is to, you know, perfect our imperfect democracy. How do you how do you long term figure out whether it's moving the needle there? I think that is going to be hard <laughs> to ultimately it's measure. It's the biggest attribution question I've asked. <laughs> but what we have agreed on right now is um, a first step is let's grow the audience. So Steve's made a big personal investment um, over $30 million at this point in terms of bringing all of this government data together. It's like a half so, season of Kauai. <laughs> let's, that, I think just to be it's clear, a full Steve season Ballmer of Kauai. Also, also owns the Los Angeles Clippers and they just signed I think his contract Kauai was $33 Hunter. million. So. $33 million? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, He's worth 60 Oh, good. Yes. Got a good deal. <laughs> great excitement uh, over Kauai. But um, in our... Other the other exciting passion project that Steve has, yeah. which is USA Facts. Um, so we've agreed let's grow grow our audience. Um, a second piece of that is to uh, do more with our data, and so we want to do more storytelling. I mean, ultimately, I think there's a very small percent of the population who just loves like going in and tinkering and diving into data and databases and just checking Mm -hmm. out data and trying to make sense of it themselves. So we've started doing more publishing around the content, not taking an opinion, but just showing, hey, what are the trends we're seeing over time? What's the data you should be paying attention to right now, given what's in the news? And then the final piece of that is to make our data um, easier to discover. So really working on improving uh, search 
off platform mm-hmm. and on our site. So we want people, if they need it, a piece of data, to be able to find it on Google really easily. Um, and then adding more data. So we talked about the fact that I think when people ultimately do come to USA Facts and they say, well, that's interesting, only 34% of kids are proficient in math, they're probably going to know what's happening at my kid's school. And so making sure that we have that data so that they know about uh, how is life where they live in their zip code, in their neighborhood, in their school district. So what do you hear from lawmakers? Because, I mean, that's an important constituency when it comes to, you know, using data in <clears throat> in ways that, that at least push, look, our government's always going to be messy. It always has been messy. But I think most people would agree at this point it's gotten probably too messy, um, where it's not grounded in, like, a common understanding of facts. Like, I mean, you mentioned a meeting that you had, like, the other day. Um, explain a little bit more about... W- w- do you see a desire there among the participants in the political process to have a set of facts that they agree on? I mean, it's it's in the name USA Facts, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know if we have a set of facts right now that, that the country and particularly its politicians broadly agree on. Completely fair. So we've gotten a really enthusiastic response from members of Congress. So in April, when we launched our annual report, we met with Speaker Pelosi and we met with Leader McCarthy, and they both said, this is important. This is data that our lawmakers should have access to. Please come back and brief more of our constituency. Mm -hmm. So we were on Capitol Hill yesterday and did five different meetings, met with about 180 members of Congress, House members and senators, and we had a really positive reaction. Uh, People said this is really helpful from, you know, the House was debating minimum wage. And so Steve said, flip to this page, flip to that page. You can see what are the types of jobs people have that are making under minimum wage? How many people are in those jobs? How would that impact them? How many are teenagers? How many are actually like uh, you know, using this to, to support their families. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, going to the data to think about how would this legislation that I'm going to pass really impact the country. Um, and so we got positive reaction of people saying, thank you for doing this. Thank you for putting this data together and, and keep doing it and keep coming back and keep engaging with us. And this is something our staff will use um, and that they'll use to help inform their thinking. So, so far, it's been very positive. I'd say even with federal agencies, where at some point we might be a bit of a thorn in their side in terms of, hey, we need more accurate data. We need uh, meaning current data, right? Like you Mm -hmm. haven't published data in over a year. They say FOIA us, like put in a Freedom of Information Act request, because until you force our agency to focus on getting data reported in a timely manner, we're just not, right? And not because they don't want to, but just because the mandate of uh, Department of mm. Agriculture, but right? It's often delayed, data. isn't it? Like it's extremely delayed. It is delayed, and I mean, not. I think not for any well, it's a lack big of trying. It's a big <laughs> and it's a big country, so it's really difficult to to figure out. I mean, it's just like even like the economic data. You know, the, I don't know. Everyone writes about it when it comes out, and like it's only like in retrospect that it becomes anywhere close to be being accurate because they're. I mean, they're counting. I don't know. The whole system seems very complex by necessity because it's a gigantic economy. It is. And we do think that while, you know, the current what is happening this month with the jobs report or what is happening this month with border apprehensions, well, that's relevant, right? The job of the media is really to cover it. Uh, potentially well, the they say, well it added like this many jobs and then like you know I, I like three quarters of the year later there's like well actually it, it, the number was different 
so really why what we focus on is historical trends, right? So we think that there are plenty of people covering like what's happening today and that's the news media, right? And are those numbers completely yeah. accurate? Oftentimes they do get revised, but our goal is really to provide historical context that you can look back and say, well, compared to 20 years ago when, you know, Trump says this is the best, most booming economy ever, is that actually the case? Does the data play that out? Or when it's, you know, you hear from politicians like, oh, all of these, you know, illegals are coming across our borders in unprecedented fashion, Mm -hmm. look back at the data and put some perspective to it. So that's really where we hope to insert uh, some sanity and some context into the conversation. Okay. Any insights to your previous life? Now that you're, I mean, you're still in publishing to a degree, but um, it's different. You don't, I mean, it's not a a for-profit entity. Any insights that you have now sort of to the, the other life you lived in the publishing industry about how that, how it should be using data? I do think in the, I made the comment earlier about uh, as a consumer of media, hearing from people that they feel like they, you know, read one publication and they read another and they're getting completely different stories or they turn on the TV and it's Fox and MSNBC that it's eroding trust in Mm -hmm. the news because they're like, what is the foundation of truth? So I think where media can leverage data from independent sources and complement that with the human intelligence work they're doing, right? The exciting quotes, um, it can bring trust back. And I think as a reporter, I feel for reporters, right? There is uh, the news cycle moves so fast and they are uh, content is in demand, right? So they're under incredible pressure from their editors. How do they easily get access to that data and information? It isn't easy to do. And so I think that's part of USA Facts goal is to make that data very accessible to reporters where they can get the information quickly. Okay. Poppy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you all for listening. Please do us a favor and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, send us feedback. I am at BMRC on Twitter, or you can email me, brian at digiday.com. This podcast is produced by uh, Gianna Capadona.